Hello and welcome to part 2 of my look at the Fly franchise with The Return of the Fly 1959. In this rushed movie with a much lower budget than the 1958 Fly at $225,000 using much of the same sets as 1958 Classic, this was rushed into production with a note for the budget to be lowered much to the annoyance of Vincent Price who agreed to sign on on the original script which allegedly had a $1 million budget. So, on with that, I guess it's on for this show. Starring, once again, Vincent Price, the only returning actor, Brett Harley, John Sutton, David Frankenham, and Daniela Demetz, directed by Edward Burns, who done loads of Three Stooges comedies, I believe, and movies. On to the plot. Fifteen years after events of The Fly, Philippe de Lombre is now a grown man and wants to continue with his father's experiment, which ultimately failed and he died doing so, with some disastrous results of his own. The movie opens, and the first thing I noticed is it's black and white. Now, I know it said it was a lower budget, but come on, the original was colour, and that was a year earlier. Why was this done in black and white? <sighs> Moving on. Also, the title is just a lone fly on a white background. God, how cheap can you get? After the cheap and boring titles of a fly cleaning itself, we are shown Helene Delombre's funeral, and hear a voiceover from Vincent Price saying she was haunted by the events of the previous movie, and she slowly went nuts. That death was her final release, leading me to think it was a suicide. With the service over, Francis de Lombre, played once again by Vincent Price, and Philippe de Lombre, played by Brett Hazley, are ambushed by a reporter who is asking why there's so much secrecy and so much cover-ups about the death of his father and brother, and what is the actual truth. He's quickly manhandled by Inspector Beecham, played by John Sutton, and he is seen off. Now, for some reason, this guy's name changes to Bichamp at the end of the movie, but hey-ho, that's weird worry writing for you there. Moving on. In the back of the limousine, Philippe asks Francis what really happened, and reluctantly, Francis caves and tells him the truth. So, it's back to the old sets. Oh, sorry, house. Going down to the lab, they are stopped by Gaston, played by Mark. Michael Mark, rather. And some of the worst OTT acting I've seen. And that's saying something come from Vincent Price movie, folks. The world's greatest ham. Hmm. One teeny tiny little thing here. Why is the lightning flashes inside a home in the basement with no windows? Anyway, moving on. In the lab, Price tells the story of the first movie to a puzzled Philippe. As the lab is in pieces, but wait, on the blackboard there is handwriting from Helene, however she claimed that was cleaned off. Upon hearing how his father died, and hearing the truth, Philippe is ecstatic for some bizarre reason, and pressurises Francis into redoing the experiment. However, he says no, as the family simply doesn't have the money anymore. As the scandal has, I don't know, bankrupted him I guess. But they still seem to be living really comfortable lives, but hey ho. With that, Philippe throws Francis out and explores the lab, looking at books and papers, even though all papers and notebooks were destroyed by the human flying creature 15 years earlier. Well, this is one of the many, many continuity errors and or mistakes in this movie. 
<clears throat> it's on tour of the Lombra Electrical Labs as Philippe meets his friend Alan Hines, played by David Frankham, who agrees to work on Andre de Lombra's experiment for free. And with that, the two leave Montreal once again with no French accents, and it's on to the new lab. Arriving at his grandfather's house, we meet Cecile Bonnard, played by Daniela Demetz, who is the daughter of the housekeeper Mrs. Bonnard, played by Janine Grandel. After a quick kiss, Cecile is whisked away by her mother to make some tea, so the boys go down to the lab. And the lab itself is just a reversed set of the previous movie. So the lab itself is supposed to be an old wine cellar, and after a quick tour, Philippe cooks up a plan to steal all of his father's papers and books, which again were burnt at the end of the previous movie. During tea and chit-chat, Philippe hears a fly and goes into cold sweats. Now, could you not? This guy just freezes and instantly sweat pours from his brow. Jeez. Weeks later, the lab is up and running. However, it blows a transistor as Philippe says he can't afford to replace it. With that, Alan says he'll work for free. Wait, didn't you already say that? Look, 10 minutes earlier. Very good continuity editor, very good there. Also, that he would get paid handsomely when and if this invention finally works. So with that, Francis comes to visit and scorns Philippe and Alan. However, Philippe strong arms Francis into giving him the money. He needs to finish the experiments, saying he'll sell his half of the family business if Francis doesn't help. So wait, the family still has enough money to help all of a sudden, but didn't he say earlier they were pretty much bankrupt? Moving on. So, agreeing to help, Francis says he'll do everything to keep him safe and to try to talk about this disastrous experiment. Going into town, Alan meets up with Max Barthold, played by Don Seymour, where we found out Alex Hines is actually Reginald Holmes. And dun dun dee. Oh dear God. This is where we find out he's nothing but a common thief and that he plans to steal the blueprints for the teleporter. Also, he is wanted by the British police for murder. Oh no, a murderous con man. Go the 50s. Back at the lab, Philippe teleports an ashtray from one teleporting pod to another teleporting pod perfectly as a nod to his father's original experiment. Days later, the next experiment is on a guinea pig, which they teleport. However, it comes back with giganticism in the other pod. So after much tinkering and much number crunching, also a few blueprints remodeling and tinkering, they teleport a rabbit, which comes out okay. So they move on to a hamster, which they disintegrate and hold in suspended animation overnight. So once Francis leaves for the night, Alan cooks up a plan to steal the blueprints by freaking out Philippe with a fly. Yeah, like somebody who has a crippling fear of flies would have one of these things buzzing around his lab. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. So he freaks him out with the fly and causes him to finish a lot earlier than he expected. So much later that night, Alan sneaks down to the laboratory and steals the blueprints. However, he is caught by an unnamed cop who tries to arrest him for murder. However, he shorts out the lights by no, but then knocking out the cop and places him in a teleporting pod, which makes him come out with rabbit feet and rabbit hands, even though it was a bloody guinea pig, if not hamster. Oh, moving on. 
Finding that all the lights have flickered on and off in the house, Philippe investigates the lab, finding Alan in there saying he'd accidentally shorted out the lights by hitting the main power port with a chair. Wanted to see if the machine is still okay, Philippe wants to bring back the rabbit, but Alan tells him no, as he wanted to wait for Francis to do the big reveal if the suspended animation experiment works or not. So once alone again, Alan calls Max for help. By the way, Max is an undertaker, saying to meet just outside town in 40 minutes. So hanging up, Alan brings back the cop, dead, and as I said, has rabbit feet and hands. So the guinea pig comes out with human hands. Wait, wasn't it a hamster? Hmm. Which Alan quickly kills, placing the cop's body in its own car and his own car. Alan drives off to a meeting. So they pull a cycle, which I'll be recovering in September, and they drive it into a swamp. With that, the two drive off with Alan giving Max a microfilm with pictures of the blueprints on it. An old very James Bond here, which I've already covered in a bumper podcast last year. Returning to the lab, Alan is caught and quizzed by Philippe, saying the housekeeper saw him leave two hours earlier and where the hell did he go? However, Alan saying he heard a car backfire ten minutes earlier, so she must have been very much mistaken. Again, Philippe not believing his lies, asks why is there bloodstains on the floor, so Alan lies yet again, saying he brought back a guinea pig earlier, but it bit him in the hand, so he had to kill it. However, Philippe says where the hell is the bloody bite mark then, and doesn't believe him. So Alan pulls out a gun and the two fight and struggle in true 50s style with Alan getting the upper hands so he places Philippe in the teleporter pod along with a fly and teleports them both keeping on suspended animation so he gets the rest of the blueprints out from the safe and as a runner. Just as Francis shows up after getting a call from the housemaid and really she doesn't call the police, Alan runs off with the blueprints and steals Francis's car when Francis tries to stop him, he is shot in his stomach with a Alan and he drives off. Once patched up, Francis goes back down to the lab with the help of Cecile and they bring back Philippe, who now has the head of a fly and the arm. So of course, Cecile screams just as the police show up out of nowhere. The man fly runs off to the swamp, chased by an unnamed policeman, who, after emptying his gun, is killed off screen. All the while, Francis is helped by the other police as one hears the voice of Fleet coming from a fly which has the head of a human in some really bad 50s super imposition effects. Meanwhile, the human fly gets away. At the hospital, Philippe is wheeled out of surgery, perfectly fine. However, another cop wants to speak to him about the missing policeman. Meanwhile, the man fly has hitched a ride on the back of a truck back to town with two of the most inept Dexter's ever, as never noticed this huge six foot man fly walking past him. The next day, Francis is quizzed by the police and all Francis says is if they saw the creature or not, with the policeman lying saying no. In walks another lieutenant, which Francis refuses to talk to, saying he'll only speak to Inspector Beauchamp. Wait, wasn't it Beecham earlier? Mm. So the lead cop says his men are told to shoot on sight. And this riles up Francis, saying it would be murder. Again, demanded to speak to Beauchamp. Leaving the wood cop, then leaves Francis with the cop, who helped Francis earlier, who pleads know the truth, saying he heard the fly speak, and was he indeed mad. Back at Max's funeral parlour, 
he gets a call from Alan saying he's got everything in place and the deal is going to go down as planned. Back at the hospital, Francis tells Bertrand that Philippe must be taken alive, also he must find the fly with the man head. Back at Maxis, he is attacked by the man fly and is killed. The following day, Francis is out of hospital and is taken back to the house where Bertrand asks to be shown around the lab by Cecile. So looking around, Bertrand finds Philippe's fly body and places it in a gel a bell jar. Going up to Francis's bedroom to tell him he found the fly and it's in the lab, he asks just how long a fly lives with Francis saying around three weeks. At Maxie's, Alan shows up with the blueprint and finds Maxie's dead body. Freaking out, he runs out only to be choked out by the man fly and placed in a coffin. A cop outside hears Alan's gunfire, so investigates finding the gun and Alan's dead body, which comes alive. So is this the world's first zombie on film? Well, no, because there's white zombie in 1932. Moving on. However, the zombie just dies again for no apparent reason. Back at the house, Bichomp wakes Francis, telling him that a cop found Alan and Maxie's dead body, and Philippe may come back as this is his last chance to become human again. So much later that night, Philippe returns home for help, breaking into Cecile's bedroom. She wakes up screaming just as Philippe faints, as Bichomp runs in, taking the body down to the lab while she gets Francis in the lab. Francis gets the inspector to place both the man fly and the fly man in the pod as he tinkers with the equipment so he teleports them both back and it works. Philippe is now back to being human and it's happily ever after as credits roll. So that was The Return of the Fly, a quickly made cheap sequel with no excitement and a rushed plot. However, this thing is pretty much 50s standard fare. 4 out of 10. That's being generous. Anyway, come back next week as I look at 1986's Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me movies you want me to do if these ones I'm doing aren't your cup of tea at Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. All lowercase folks. And next month I'll do Aliens August and Psycho in September. And then it's Rocktober as I look at Alice Cooper and other rock icon movies. Anyway, uh, bye.